Yankee romp. And I even said this yesterday when we were talking on the show about the possibility of the Red Sox not necessarily being the team that they were expected to be over a long-term period of time. It's the team that won 108 games, but was spoken about by a number of different people on the air yesterday as the worst 118 win team in baseball history. And it's amazing how things change. You know, you have this team that was thought to be so unbeatable up to a certain point. And then they kind of had their coming to earth moment where they seemed vulnerable. And vulnerability exists in the world of sports, of course, in baseball. You're talking about a team that's got to play 162 games. So you knew that it was just very hard for a team to maintain that type of pace. And if you remember the Los Angeles Dodgers of last year having that 43-7 and run, and all of a sudden, you know, the thought was, when was this going to end? And they, of course, carried very good baseball all the way through the World Series and lost, of course, in a seventh game in an incredibly played World Series, a World Series that will probably go down as one of the best ever played in baseball history, games one through seven. So you're looking at the Boston Red Sox, who are considered to be this year's version of the Los Angeles Dodgers. The question was going to be, were they going to win 115 games? Were they going to tie or pass the Seattle Mariners of 2001? And as they hit the home stretch of the season, they became... Uh, I'm not going to use, I shouldn't use the word victims, but we'll use the uh, the term they were misfortunate to be in a situation where they had about six weeks of baseball and nothing to play for. And no matter who you are, it's hard to have that same type of motivation, whether you're the manager, whether you're the leaders on a certain team, to be able to motivate a team when there's nothing to play for for the next six weeks. We talk about in baseball and all other sports, how do you come up Come show up to a stadium, play hard, and care just as much as you do when there are things to play for, when your team stinks. Well, the same does apply for a team that's really good. The Red Sox had the division of the American League East sewn up. They had home field advantage sewn up throughout the playoffs with the knowledge that they were going to uh, have home field advantage in a World Series if they made it that far. So from a motivation standpoint, why is it? that this team has to go out there and play hard and win at a certain amount of pace. So they went through that stretch, obviously struggled as the season came to a close, and seemed like you were looking at a New York Yankees team that was playing some of its better baseball in the last week or so of the season, a very good performance. And hello, Pat, hope everything's going well. What happened to the Yankees? Well, we're just about to get to it. The Red Sox were in a position where they were on the decline, and the Yankees were kind of on the incline. And it was set up to this for this game three. And I look at this game three, and it, it seemed like it was going to go a certain way. It seemed like it was going to be time for the Yankees to step their foot forward and take control of this series. The Red Sox, the worst 108 team in the history of baseball. Well, now you may want to make the case that the Yankees may not necessarily be one of the best 100-win teams in baseball. And you talk about the unfortunate scenario that they were in, if they were in almost any other division except for the American League West, they would have won their division. They would have had to play in a wild card game. But this was a game where the Yankees needed to be more prepared. And I'd hate to knock the preparation when it comes to this game, but you have the stories about Luis Severino not knowing what time the game started. Maybe he wasn't necessarily ready. 
the Red Sox came out the way you expected the New York Yankees to. The Yankees had the benefit of playing in front of their home crowd, having all their starters and regulars introduced the energized, you know, the energized crowd right behind their back. This looked like it was going to go in the Yankees' direction right off the bat. The Red Sox hit a couple balls hard, got that 3-0 lead, and then blew the Yankees really out of their own stadium. And a re- ridiculous 16-1 loss to the Boston Red Sox, one I'll admit that I didn't expect. One that I admit that I wasn't prepared for. I thought this was going to be advantage Yankees. And really, if you looked at the odds makers, because the Yankees had two of the last three games at home, all of a sudden it swung from advantage Red Sox to advantage Yankees. So if you're a betting man, you would end up having to put down more money to gain less money if you're going to bet on the Yankees from you know, game three on. Obviously, it swings back in the other direction. The Yankees facing elimination. We'll see what ends up happening tonight. But I will touch on the game in a little bit. There is something that I do have to that I do want to get into and hopefully I can get the word out and spread amongst my listeners and my viewers. Um, if anybody hasn't heard, um, a couple Saturdays ago there was an explosion in Allentown, Pennsylvania in Lehigh Valley that ended up killing three people. Uh, one of the deceased was a two-year-old little boy whose father ended up detonating a bomb in a car and ended up taking his own life, the life of his two-year-old son and another innocent bystander that was near the car. Um, I was fortunate yesterday to have the opportunity to meet this young boy's mother. And this young boy's mother, Jasmine, Jasmine Corrects, um, shows ridiculous, uh, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, when somebody ends up going through something like that. But she was very, she was very humble, obviously sad, but is obviously going through a tough time. And, you know, to lose a child that is just two years old for a father of a two-year-old myself, I can't imagine how, how I would view life and how I would, you know, simplify anything from going to work to being able to host my talk show to just regular interaction with people. So it's a very, uh, of course, sad situation, but you know, we do have the opportunity as a community to support what is an unexpected and very sudden cause. And there is a GoFundMe page that has been set up and I've shared it on my Facebook page. I'll share it through Twitter. And I do want to get the word out to anybody that is out there. The little boy's name was JJ. So if you search through GoFundMe and find Help JJ, now a two-year-old boy was in the wrong place at the wrong time and was murdered by his deranged father. And, you know, I don't want to get away from the seriousness of this, but this is a comment that I always make when there's situations like this. Somebody that's interested in taking the lives of innocent people, I really wish they would take their own first. Because, you know, mental illness is a serious thing that goes on in this country. And if these people that are deranged that want to murder innocent people would just think to take their own lives first, I do think it'll bring more attention to mental health in this country and this world. And that's where the attention needs to be put to, not to 
you know, recoup innocent families for what they end up losing in unfair and disgusting circumstances. This little boy didn't need to lose his life. This 66-year-old man that just happened to be there when the car exploded did not need to lose his life. But please, if you have a heart, whether it's a dollar, anything that you could spare, help JJ, a two-year-old boy that was very unfairly and suddenly taken away from this world and his family. And, you know, he's got a mother, Jasmine, that needs to give him a proper burial. And to have to deal with that so suddenly is something that I just can't fathom. And I got to be honest, it's hard to keep it together when you think of the seriousness of something like that, especially being a father. And for everybody that is a parent and everybody that's not a parent can understand what it would be like for a parent to suddenly lose an infant child. An infant child that had no control over where he was going to go, where he was going to be. And his life is now over. So please consider donating. Like I said, I'll share it on my Facebook page, Twitter, social media. If one person listens to the show today and can donate a dollar, it'll be very much appreciated. I'll throw this in there just to kind of buffer as I get back into the world of sports. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for the entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPLA.com and JohnPLA LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charging admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So going back to the Yankees-Red Sox game, and I do thank everybody for listening to me, and I really hope um, anybody that's listening could consider just donating anything, anything out of their pockets to help JJ, a two-year-old boy that was unfairly taken from us and taken from his mother, once again at the age of two. So Yankees-Red Sox. Angel Hernandez, once again under the microscope, but this time in a way where I don't necessarily want to criticize him. You look at Angel Hernandez, he's probably known as one of the, if not the worst umpire in all Major League Baseball. And a lot of it, you know, comes from the fact that most baseball fans know his name. And sometimes that's all it takes. In Major League Baseball, you have umpires who kind of play their role in an anonymous type of way. They're just people there to officiate. Nobody needs to know who their name is because the game is centered around the players, the same, the game is centered around organizations and it's not about the umpires the umpires are just there to exist make sure the game runs right make sure the game is played fairly and let the best team win in the end so when somebody's name as an umpire is thrown out there in front of the media and everybody knows angel hernandez's name there's no way it could be a good thing there's no way that the reputation of angel hernandez can be considered decent or respected because everybody looks at him and says, hey, Angel Hernandez, one of the worst umpires in baseball. He's made several terrible calls over the past decade plus. He's also been known to have a short fuse. 
can make a bad call and throw somebody out of the game in a heartbeat. It's kind of the worst kind of umpire. The umpire that has rabbit ears but doesn't do his job correctly. So it's very understood that Angel Hernandez should not be considered a very good umpire, let alone should be on a postseason, you know, umpire in a postseason. He shouldn't be umpiring games in a World Series. And on top of it, he's claiming racism. He's claiming that you know, baseball is judging him because he is of Hispanic descent and not because he is a terrible umpire. All these things I'm going to register and understand and put when I'm judging Angel Hernandez as one of the worst, if not the worst umpire in all of Major League Baseball. But what I'm going to say about Angel Hernandez's performance last night, even though he missed a couple calls, he missed three specific calls, in fact, that were all overturned by manager challenges. It's not a good review when you're judging somebody in their job performance. Angel Hernandez missed three calls. Three calls that he called incorrectly that were all overturned because of replay review. That being said, I'm not going to pick on Angel Hernandez for what he did last night. And a lot of the backlash, if you follow Twitter, if you follow social media, if you hear you know, stories that are put up there by CBS Sports and ESPN and other websites, it's going to be damning against Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez in the news again, but not for the reasons that Angel Hernandez was in the news in previous times. He's not suing Major League Baseball at this moment. He is. But it's not about his lawsuit against Major League Baseball. He has a very short fuse. He throws people out of the game unnecessarily and is considered one of the worst umpires in Major League Baseball. That's not the story today. But if it was an Angel Hernandez, if it was a different umpire that happened to be there at first base, missed by a microsecond or a micro flash or a frame, three distinct calls in four innings. It would not be as much of a story. It is a story because of Angel Hernandez's reputation. And let's be serious. When it comes to things that happen over the course of, let's say, names getting thrown through the blender and coming out, and you say, hey, I've heard that name before. That person was involved in this. That person was involved in that. This person has a bad reputation. So when their name is thrown out there again, the natural reaction from the public is here we go again this is another thing that that person did wrong as we hit the halfway point here on the past ball show a couple more topics we're going to hit up as we move forward once again if anybody is interested the number is 732-364-3598 that's 732-364-3598 please uh comment on the facebook live or periscope feed and uh, in response to greg yes i'll leave the camera at this angle and anybody that knows me or anybody that follows the show and have seen the very distinct and many different camera angles that I've had I'm looking for one that I like I'm looking for one that's going to hopefully take the best out of this but most importantly just to look as professional as possible with everything I got in the background I do have a couple more pictures we're going to start putting up we'll decorate the room we'll try to make it look the best way possible but Last point I'm going to make about Angel Hernandez. Any other umpire missed those three calls. And I think the third one was the most blatant. 
and replay review didn't take very long. So one on top of the other. He obviously had a bad night last night. Wasn't Angel Hernandez's first bad night in his career of being an umpire. But if it's any other umpire, you just say, hey, that umpire had a bad day. But it's Angel Hernandez. And Angel Hernandez's image continues to get destroyed every time his name gets thrown through the blender and thrown up at the top. Angel Hernandez again. And this guy, you know, continues to make himself look bad. Unfortunately, I don't think it was his own fault last night. He just missed three calls. But moving on, I wanted to talk about the NBA. They obviously have the National Basketball Association season coming up pretty soon. A lot of excitement. If you're in the New York area, you got the Knicks and the Nets and a thought at some point these organizations are going to get themselves going. There's going to be some competitive basketball played in the state of New York. The Philadelphia 76ers, the run they had last year. Yes, their season ended a little bit prematurely in the playoffs. LeBron going to L.A. Is he going to turn that team around and get them as a legitimate contender in a Western Conference? Of course you got the Golden State Warriors, the three-time NBA champion in the last four years. A real live dynasty that we're looking at right before our eyes. So what I wanted to talk about, you look at the Phoenix Suns, and I do believe that they're a team on the rise. A team that had the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, they took DeAndre Ayton. They had an aggressive offseason. They hired themselves a new coach. They made the trade for DeAnthony Melton, solid point guard, a good player that you could build your team around. So as the season is approaching, as you're getting pretty close to the start of the National Basketball Association season, they decide the Phoenix Suns do to fire their general manager, Ryan McDonough. No relation to Ryan McDonough. That was the longtime Rangers defenseman. And, of course, most recently for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm, I'm a little puzzled with this. You'll get a team that's got Aiton, like I said, the number one overall pick. The trade for Melton. They got Booker and Jackson. So they got a series of very good players. And a team that was not good last year. There's no doubt about it. But they just hired a new coach. This is a team that seems to be moving itself up in a positive direction. And what happens? They end up firing their general manager. Now, you, you wonder if there's something internally that's going on there. Possibly. There may be an issue. There may be some problems going on. Maybe a disconnect between the general manager and ownership. You did hear that the owner has become a lot more hands-on when it comes to making personnel decisions. So maybe there was a little bit uh, of an issue between there, the, you know, the front office and the brass and the ownership. I understand that that happens in a world of sports, but you just allowed the general manager to assemble a team a certain way, to hire the coach that he hired, to draft the player that he drafted with the number one overall pick, to make the trade with the potential star point guard that he made, and build it around a good young core, and right as the season's about to start, right when you get the first opportunity to see if the moves that this general manager made make any sense, and are positive enough to move the Phoenix Suns into a positive direction, you let them go. Now, I'm happy for James Jones, who, by the way, longtime NBA player, NBA champion, you know, kind of a, a six-man off the bench over the, more, the majority of his career with Miami and Cleveland and a couple other teams. It looks like he's getting a chance to make some basketball decisions, be the head of the basketball operations department. And maybe it's a good time to make a change. I do question it, 
When though? Just eight games, eight days before the regular season. You haven't seen anything on a court yet. Why do it now? Why not do it before the draft? Why not allow some time to happen during a regular season? You see moves like that made when games start. Very seldom in a preseason with just a week before the game. Just a reminder that Castrol motor oil provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. So the last thing I wanted to talk about today was an ongoing investigation involving the Dallas Mavericks and their personnel and their front office. Um, it lasted a series of months. And there was talk about some improper behavior, um, some sexual harassment that was involved. And the report that was put together was put in detail, involved the owner. And of course, the owner is well-known, successful businessman, Mark Cuban. And Mark Cuban himself donated $10 million to various organizations to support women in a workplace that combat domestic violence. So this was something from the owner that was taken very seriously. And obviously they had an internal investigation. Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated released um, an investigative report that detailed years of sexual harassment, domestic violence, and a generally corrosive environment inside the Dallas Mavericks organization. So the NBA and an independent investigation, you know, put it together by the team, concluded. Now, they did notice that there were instances and things that happened. So there were some workplace reforms that were put in there. And I think any business that undergoes something like this has to understand that, yes, there may or may not be people that are acting inappropriately, but it's not indicative of the performance of the majority of the people that are in there. In other words, that whole bad apple example. You can talk about how it applies to anybody, any group of people, any business, any independent organization may have a bad apple here and there, but that bad apple should not speak for the entirety of said group or said organization and team in this particular instance. So the Mavericks were able to determine that. They had some reforms. Perhaps some people were let go that were involved in certain sexual misconduct. So now you find out that longtime team photographer, and I'll get his name, Danny Bollinger, was fired. And it was less than 24 hours after the news published a story that detailed sexual harassment allegations made against him by five women. Now, what the Mavericks did wrong here is they had their own investigation and didn't have anything that pointed to Bollinger. Now, it wasn't until after the investigation was concluded that these women, and one or two or five, however many it is, one is probably too much, end up coming forward and saying, listen, this team photographer was the one that was making sexual advances on us, was involved in sexual harassment. So if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you did a pretty bad job because you had your own internal investigation and didn't have anything that pointed towards this one particular individual. And here's the other thing that kind of does bother me. I am a little torn when it comes to sexual harassment. I do believe that it has no place in the workplace. 
And you know, these women, any women that is a victim of sexual harassment should be taken seriously. So I look at this and you find out that team photographer Danny Bollinger is good chums with owner Mark Cuban. And you wonder how much Mark Cuban for donating $10 million of his own money to support this cause of combating sexual harassment and domestic violence was a, I hate to say it because we've heard this many times in the world of sports and entertainment, a cover-up for potential knowledge that he may have over what the team photographer was doing in did. And of course, if that's the case, you're talking about a whole different you know, jar of worms. You had the Urban Meyer situation in Ohio State, when once again, it has to be stated that Urban Meyer did not assault the wife of his assistant coach. In this case, Mark Cuban, whatever he knew, did not sexually harass any of these employees. The team photographer is being held accountable and has lost his job. So I think that needs to be stated. And now all the time in these situations, we tend to want to bring down as many high-profile people as we possibly can. And I hope that if this becomes a bigger situation and the uh, outcry from the public is to penalize Mark Cuban in any way, it's going to once again take the pressure off the person that actually committed or potentially or allegedly committed these acts of sexual harassment in the workplace. It's about Danny Bollinger. So let's get his name out there, pretty similar to the way we need to get Zach Smith, a uh, accused sexual abuser of his wife. Those people's names need to be thrown out in the spotlight. Not Urban Meyer, not Mark Cuban. A little recap of the show today. I said, please, if you can, if you have a couple minutes, take a look at the GoFundMe page for JJ Samoyer, S-C-H-M-O-Y-E-R, a two-year-old who was unfairly and inexplicably murdered by his father in an explosion that happened in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, they are raising some money to pay for the young boy's funeral expenses and his burial and his headstone. So just, if you if you have a heart, if you have any compassion, you can spare a dollar. Just go to go to JJ Schmoyer, S-C-H-M-O-Y-E-R, his uh, page for GoFundMe. The boy's mother's name is Jasmine Koretz, K-E-R-E-C-Z. And I had the opportunity and the pleasure of meeting this young lady yesterday. And in a time of, you know, all you could think of is just the anger and how could this happen? You know, this young lady was humble and caring. And you obviously could tell that she cares a lot about her son and is heartbroken over the loss of her son. But is not acting irrationally and is just looking to share the memories of her son. And please give her the opportunity to share in the memory of her little son who was taken inexplicably. Check out GoFundMe, search Help JJ, and the boy's last name is S-C-H-M-O-Y-E-R, Schmoyer, 
and the mother's name is Jasmine Caretz. Other things we talked about on the show today, Yankees-Red Sox, of course, a ridiculous game yesterday. The Yankees on the verge of elimination today, so we'll see how that happens. Which, by the way, let me throw this last point about Yankees-Red Sox. You got no other games going on in Major League Baseball right now. All three of the other division series are over. Brewers are getting set to play the Dodgers in Milwaukee at Miller Park. You got the Houston Astros awaiting the winner of the Yankees-Red Sox series. You got one game on tonight. Can you start it a little earlier than 7 p.m.? Would it kill Major League Baseball to start this game at 6 or 5 p.m. Eastern? you got to wait all the way until 7 o'clock today for the only game that's on the, the dial. Come on, Major League Baseball. Angel Hernandez, we know he's a terrible umpire. He had a bad day yesterday, but if his name was not Angel Hernandez, I don't think it would be as much of a national story. You got the situation going on with the Phoenix Suns firing their general manager just eight days before the start of the regular season in the National Basketball Association. Right after he assembled the team, he hired a coach. He had the number one overall pick. It looked like he had this team going in the right direction. So you wonder what's what happened that would cause Ryan McDonough, and of course no relation to the hockey player, Ryan McDonough, to lose his job and be fired replaced by former NBA swingman James Jones. Last thing, you got the situation going on now with the Dallas Mavericks, and I think this is a story that's going to start to get some more national attention. People are going to want to blame Mark Cuban because he's the most known name that's involved in this. I think it's time to throw any ill feelings towards Danny Bollinger, who was the team photographer who was just fired for sexual harassment. This is the Passball Show, of course, brought to you by JohnPLA.com, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School. We'll be back with you later on in a week, probably Friday morning. We'll see if anything happens for Wednesday or Thursday, if there's enough uh, going on in the world of baseball sports. And Unify in America will come back on. Of course, one more time, please help JJ. Look it up on GoFundMe.com. I will, of course, uh, share it through social media and hopefully get the word out there to raise some more money for this this two-year-old who lost his life inexplicably and for the baby's poor mother. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.